Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Danielle Mulvey. Danielle is a former flight attendant turned entrepreneur who has cracked the code on recruiting and retaining what she refers to as five-star employees. The game-changing, dedicated, hardworking people who make big plays and get real consistent results. Never one to settle for average, Danielle has scaled her several companies to over $50 million in annual revenue while spending less than 10 hours a week overseeing their operations. Danielle's own team of trusted five-star employees provides her with the freedom to spend the rest of the, her work week guiding other entrepreneurs through podcasting, workshops, and community curating. In this episode, Danielle and I are talking all about her five-star rating system. She is teaching us how to narrow our process down so we only focus on the right candidates. Because who has time to interview and consider candidates that are not a good fit for the position. So not only will you learn how to set up a process that weeds out the bad fit, it teaches you how to identify the right candidates. So that way, the person you bring on is exactly who you need and not just someone that you think could do well, but you connect with on a personal level. You want employees who you are gonna be happy with giving your money to And Danielle is walking us through the process and how to find these team members. So let's jump into the conversation. Hello, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thanks, Jamie. It's awesome to be here and um, let's get going. Yes. Danielle, can you kick us off with telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. So um, I started my entrepreneurial journey at the ripe old age of 25 um, and had an advertising and marketing agency. And my uh, strategy at that time was to hire um, people that were younger than me <laughs> um, since I felt so young. And uh, what was funny about that is that um, I was lucky for about the first four hires and then I started to run into some trouble. Uh, and that's when uh, I realized, wait a minute, I got, I got to figure this out. And so early on in my entrepreneurial career, we're talking like almost 25 years ago now, I uh, really got into what does it take to hire like five-star employees, the best of the best. And so um, that is something that I have really just studied and honed in on. 
and my husband and I have several businesses. We um, have a construction material supply business. Our eggs are not in one basket. We have a business that processes long-term care claims, but I only have to spend about 10 hours a week overseeing the operations of our businesses because we have amazing rock star, five-star employees. And so um, that gives me the freedom to do this sort of other thing that um, I'm working on right now with Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First and Clockwork. We're collaborating on his next, next book, all in and so we are working with entrepreneurs right now on um, you know how they can recruit hire and retain five-star employees those employees that you know make up your dream team so that you can go on to build other things as an entrepreneur so that's me in a nutshell right now Awesome. There's so much in there first off I love profit first it's an amazing thing I follow it in my business and one of the things I love about it we've talked about it in a few episodes here is it really gave me the permission that I needed to spend money in my business and giving me the permission to say, Hey, I can afford help because you always think, think of people think of a hiring as this expense. And you're like, okay, yes, it's an expense, but your business is making money. You're supposed to have expenses. This is an okay expense when you hire rights. Exactly. Cause you actually, you know, you, you can, you, you as, as an individual can only work so many hours and you can only charge, you know, if you were charging hourly so much per hour, but, um, to really grow your business and build your wealth, the only way to profitably scale is with, I mean, let's be honest, five-star employees, those employees who produce a three X or a four X return on payroll. Yes, exactly. And as you mentioned, like with your businesses and all your ventures, you're able to just dedicate a little bit of time per week on the operations because you have that team. And isn't that everyone's dream? I I don't know very many people that say, I want to start a business because I feel like working 70 hours a week or even 40 hours a week. A lot of people, especially nowadays, they're like, I want to start a business because I wanted freedom that I didn't have when I was working for corporate. And then most people get in, it's like, well, that freedom, what does it look like? Oh, I can work on the beach and have my laptop with me. That's not really freedom. That's just you working in a different location. And to be able to have a team that you can trust that is going to do things where you can just jump in for the high level things where that CEO needs to be is, is amazing. And I think we're all striving for that in some regards or another. It might look different for all of us, but we're all striving to something similar. Exactly. Yes. Um, and, and employees really give you that, that, that freedom. That's both like freedom of time and freedom, financial freedom as well. Yes. You use the term five-star employee. So let's dive a little bit more into that. Now you mentioned the ones that give you that, that three times, uh, uh, return on the payroll, but I'm assuming there's more that goes into what is a five-star employee versus just that, that one measurement of financial ROI. So can you, can you explain to us what is a five-star employee? Yeah. So a five-star employee represents the top 15% of available talent in the market for the price that you're willing to pay. So you sh a lot of times business owners think that, oh, if I pay, if I give them a $10,000 raise, they'll do more. They'll, they'll, they'll perform at the level that I'm expecting them to perform at. And you know what? Money doesn't, doesn't change performance necessarily. So, you know, if you're going to pay someone $60,000 to be a social media manager, you can find someone for $60,000, 
but they're going to run the gamut. You know, you're going to have someone who's like average or ho-hum social man, social media manager for $60,000 a month, but you can also find a five-star employee social media manager for the same amount of money. So I just want to get that off the plate first. So yeah, the top 15% of available talent represents a five-star employee. And then um, there's a five-star actually rating system for employees. And um, one of the stars in that rating system is, you know, making sure that they're producing at least a 3x return on payroll. But the first star, the really kind of like the the most important star, I would say, in the five-star rating system is that the employee aligns with your core values. Um, yes. And it's really your true core values. So oftentimes, you know, when we work with people um, on, this is the first exercise that we that, that we typically work with our members on, um, and they're like, oh, we've got core values. Yeah, our organization has core values and such. And it's like, once we take them through the exercise, it's like this, I mean, maybe I'm dating myself, but a V8 moment, you know, where they're like, ah, oh, I get it now. So oftentimes businesses have what they call core values, but they're really like um, aspirational values. They're not things that are true 100% of the time. And so for, for small businesses, your core values are, as the owner, the things that are true 100% of the time to you. And so it's really important that you have individuals that that share your true core values at the core. Yes, you can have permission to play values and, and aspirational values, et cetera, but, um, but the alignment has to be on those things that are true 100% of the time. And when you think about it, I mean, when you think about relationships that have failed, whether they be employee relationships or you know dating relationships, et cetera, you know, when it comes down to it, part of the reason why it failed is you guys weren't in alignment on your core values. And so whether it's a, it's a romantic relationship or a business relationship, aligning on those core values is really important. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I'm loving everything that you're saying there because I do, I feel like it's so important. And it's one of those things when I'm working with clients, I always say you could take the same job, same task wise and put it in another company. And it's a completely different role. Because it's how that, how those tasks and responsibilities fit into your overall culture and company and the way you work with your clients and everything. And then how you're going to measure success of that team member is going to be different than how another company measures success of their team member because their values and what matters to them is different. Yes, the tasks are the same, but what matters is different. Oh my gosh. Have you read uh, the Rapid Read Guide to hiring five-star employees, because that is another one of the stars, um, is, is success metrics. And so th that's exactly right. You know, the thing is, is that, um, another way that you're going to rate your employees or candidates is the key responsibilities for the role, the three to five key responsibilities for the role. What does success look like for you it, for that responsibility of that candidate or that employee. And you're exactly right, Jamie. My expectation of what success looks like for a social media manager and the key responsibilities I need from them is going to be different than you. But what's important is that when you define what success looks like, the secret is you've got to quantify it. You've got to put a number, a dollar sign to it, um, because then that really draws the 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 line as to what success looks like you're either hitting the bar or you're exceeding that bar so it's really important to quantify those success metrics yes that is super important because i was actually having a conversation with someone today where 
um, we're doing a deep dive into their, into their role in particular and making sure it's an effective role. And I asked the question, I was like, how is success measured in your role? And they went through and listed all these great things. And I'm like, that's great. But how do you measure those? And they're just like, well, it's just kind of a feeling. We know if we're doing good in those areas. And I'm like, it has to be more than just a feeling because you can feel that you're doing amazing and it's really subpar work and you're not doing as amazing as you should be in that area. Yeah. One of my favorite things that you see on most job postings is must be an effective communicator. What, what's, what's an effective communicator? Right, right. Because it's something different for every role. Are you getting up and doing presentations? Are you, uh, you know, communicating through email or over phone or face to face? They're all different methods and require different skills. Yeah. And so, you know, you've got to, you, and again, you've got to quantify that success. So, you know, if you're an effective communicator and, um, and your job is mostly like communicating people with, with emails and such, then if you're really an effective communicator, then you've got to quantify that you're getting a, you know, 20% response rate within 24 hours of your outbound emails. So, you know, you can quantify anything and everything. And I challenge everyone out there that, I mean, if you, if you can't figure it out, bring it on because I'll help you quantify it. Right. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that sometimes it's harder. So you don't do it because it's hard, but it is possible. And I think sometimes people get into the thing that's stuck because they think revenue and they're like, well, how do I quantify this with revenue? Because it's not a direct revenue generating position. It's like, well, there's other things that matter that impact that revenue. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. I mean, every position should have a three X return on, on, on their payroll. And so every position is, is important to the cog and the wheels that are running your business that, you know, produces that revenue, even the collections department. I mean, they're important. They keep you in business by being on top of AR. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned, I think now we did three of the five stars. What are the other two? So the other two, um, there are 11 qualities of a five-star employee, and these are universal qualities. Um, and you know, I, I won't go through the whole list cause it would just be overwhelming. But, um, if you go to fivestaremployees.com, you can, um, get, get that information and such. But what's interesting about the 11 qualities is that two of the qualities, um, we have coded red and these are qualities that are very difficult to change. So if someone is, is not meeting your minimum requirement for these two qualities, then that should be a deal breaker. Like that's a, that's, that's, that's something to filter out because again, you know, you're looking for the top 15% of talent in the market, that five-star employee. So it's like, I don't want to say it's like finding a needle in a haystack, but you know, that means that one out of seven candidates is a potential five-star employee. So you're using this five-star rating system to eliminate those people who, you know, are really one, two, three, four-star employees. So that what you're left with is that five-star employee. So you're, you're really putting people through my, my friend, Casey Anton, um, she calls her uh, recruitment and hiring process a gauntlet. Um, we just call ours a process. Um, <laughs> but you know, you really want to put your candidates through so that whoever makes it out at the end is the ideal person for you. And so one of the, one of the red qualities that uh, is very difficult to change is flexibility. 
And you know, what's interesting about that too, and, and all of this is that uh, you have to define what, you know, I mean, I've said this before in some of the other instances, but you have to define what, what flexibility means to you in your organization, because it's going to be different than what my friend Diane um, has in terms of flexibility in her organization. So it's important that you have questions around, you know, testing that individual's flexibility that would be, you know, meeting your expectations and your definition of the of what you need for flexibility from an employee. And then um, we have uh, two of the qualities are um, are green, and those are relatively easy to change. And one of those qualities is an insatiable uh, thirst for knowledge and growth. And you know what's interesting about this is many people just don't know what they don't know. And so as a business leader, you know, you've got a great opportunity um, when you do hire a five-star employee, make, exposing them to new things, challenging them with learning something that they just didn't even know existed before and such. And so that is, that, that's, that's a great opportunity there. Um, so it wouldn't be a deal breaker if someone, you know, has kind of like a so-so insatiable thirst for knowledge and growth, because that's something that you could coach them on and, and they could improve upon that. Yes. I love that. That's one thing that I do a lot of times with my clients is we figure out what is the must have and what is the nice to have things that they're looking for. And it, I, the things that you have mentioned, I think kind of a lot of times fall into some of those buckets of like, Hey, what are we looking for? What is important? And even when they say this is important about us and our culture, it's like, well, what exactly does this mean? You know, what is, is something that person's really going to fit in versus something that you can, you can grow them with and coach, coach them on throughout their time that they're there. Because especially when you're talking about small businesses, you don't want to throw someone into something where it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. So it's like knowing what's important to you from, from day one. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, and you, and you've got to stay firm on those must haves. If the candidate doesn't have those must haves, then that candidate is not, should not be offered a job. Right. Right. And I found it very interesting as you're talking about like the hiring process and narrowing it down to this five-star team member, there's clients of mine that are so used to kind of like old school, there are old school methods that don't really work that really rely on luck versus looking for the right person. And they're used to coming to the end of the process and having multiple candidates that they're deciding between and none of them being 100%, but they're like, let me compare them and choose what's the best of this group that I have there. And then a lot of times when I work with clients, sometimes we only end up with one candidate at the end of that process. And they're like, but there's only one candidate there. I need to see more people before, before I make a decision, more people that I would consider hiring. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We just developed a process that weeded all those other people out that you would normally get to the end of your process. I was like, if this person is meeting everything and we've proved that they are your top candidate out there and they match what you're looking for, let's not waste our time bringing other people in to prove that. Like our process is to make it so there's one or possibly just a few at that end step for you to make your decision with because we got rid of everybody else. Absolutely. I mean- uh, that is exactly what you need to do. You need to have a process that you are filtering out and eliminating the candidates. So you've got one, maybe two candidates standing at the end, but exactly that you are not wasting your time on, 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 on the one, two and three star 
candidates. Um, you know, we use in our system, um, people apply online and we outline our, our application or hiring process in the job posting. But as soon as they apply online, they move to step number two and they're sent an assessment and it's a 35 minute assessment. And like it is step number two, it's outlined in the job posting. And then below that, where you see that, it says apply here. So it's like, you, you can't miss, you know, like our process. And, and I kid you not, on average, 60% of applicants don't complete step number two. Right. Isn't and that crazy? I think, I think it's crazy, but I also think, and I was actually reading an article on it about this just this morning is the, the job board's want to make it so easy for candidates to apply that it's actually confusing for candidates. Cause I was talking to one of my employees and she was like, it's so hard to miss everything because the job board on me on the candidate side, it's like, it's like they're almost flashing the apply here, apply here buttons. And you're like, wait, I don't want you to follow that. I want you to follow these directions. Why aren't you reading my directions? And the job boards are just like, it's easy for you to apply for 20 jobs in 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, read the damn job posting, like read it. Why are you applying to a job? You don't read the job posting. Right. But that's okay. Because again, like one out of seven candidates is a potential five-star employee. You're looking for the top 15% of available talent in the marketplace. So the things that people can do to eliminate themselves, okay, fine. Let them go work for your comp, your competitors. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's so funny. And, and I completely agree with you that, um, you know, get, do not, do not opt in for those easy to apply, you know, options or buttons that you think that, well, that, that'll help us get more candidates. It's just going to attract the wrong kind of more candidates, more right. of the wrong kind of candidates. Right. Right. And I want to circle back to something that you said, mentioned earlier about kind of pay. And if I pay an employee more, they'll do better work and stuff like that. And and I know there's a lot of discussion out there right now how a lot of employees in certain industries and in certain positions and certain companies are severely underpaid. And obviously that's not something that, that I support. I think if you're going to have an employee, you need to give them a fair, fair wage for the work and you shouldn't be seeing what's the cheapest I can get someone to do this work. No, you should be paying for, for the work that's, that's getting done the work that needs to get done with your company. But I, I do love that. You can't just throw money at it. Like money is not, not a motivator for people to do well. It's, it's kind of like a short-term incentive. Um, right now, and I want to get your opinion about this is I have a lot of clients that say, well, what about hiring bonuses and like, and stuff like that, where it's like, okay, we'll give you $2,000 when you accept the job or you know, whatever. And I was, I always tell my clients, I was like, oh, let's don't, let's not do that. Because then what they're, I, what my opinion is you're in, people are being incentivized by that dollar. They're willing to say yes to your job because of the dollar and not because it's necessarily the right job for them, which means they're more likely to be the people that say, Hey, six months in this other company is giving me a signing bonus. I'm going to go over there because that's all that motivates them is the dollar and not actually anything about the job itself. Uh, yes, exactly right. Um, and this is why it's so important that you take people through a gauntlet. And, you know, we also recommend in our hiring process that you have shadow days, like, you know, and, and you're spending a lot of quality time with the, with the candidate so that the candidate really gets a sense, is this the right fit? And 
you know, if it's the right fit and they're a five-star candidate, they're more likely going to pick the company where they see the greatest opportunity and the greatest potential um, for their growth. And it's not necessarily, um, you know, based off of who's paying the highest salary. And you're exactly right. Those people that are, you know, will will make a move for $2,000, how loyal are they going to be? They're, 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 they're going to be the people that, you know, if someone tries to poach them for 50 cents more an hour, they'll go, they'll do it. Um, and and that's not how you're going to, to build your company. I think one other interesting thing about sort of the whole money aspect of things and such too is that, you know, a five-star employee does the work of two or three one, two, and three-star employees. So, you know, you're much more efficient with your payroll when you have a five-star employee. Um, and, and that allows you to, you know, again, profitably scale instead of having to pay two or three people to do the job that one person can do for the same price. Again, you know, it's about, you don't pay a five-star employee $20,000 more than you would pay, you know, the three-star candidate um, that you hopefully don't hire. Right, right. I find that so interesting. I was actually talking to someone once again, just this morning, and we were talking about their assistant and they're pretty much saying in the conversation that their assistant is not worth what they're paying. And I'm like, then why are they still on your team? Why are you giving someone money if they're not worth the money that you're giving them because they're not performing to the standards that are needed for that position? Yeah. Um, so the mascot for our company, um, he's over there. Sorry, he's not in my background here, but is Albert Einstein because of his definition of doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is a definition of insanity. So, you know, if things are not working out, then fix it. Like, don't keep doing the same thing. And, you know, success leaves clues. And and if you really kind of go all in on your recruitment and hiring and you spend some quality time really figuring out what you want and you're not just Googling questions because you got some an interview in 30 minutes. Yes. Don't Google questions like that. <laughs> I got an email the other day from, um, from American Express Business saying, um, you know, here are 10 killer interview questions. And I sent that to my social media team to just trash it because it's like that everyone's asking the same questions. Like you can't, that's, that's going to tell you nothing. These, if, if you get, if you can Google these questions, so can your candidates. And so, you know, it's, it's really important that, you know, you have a, you have a genuine dialogue with them, a genuine conversation, and they really get to know you. But you know what? I, I hate to hijack this um, conversation, but can I finish the last star? So the last star, so we had the 11 qualities we, we just talked about, um, And, but the last one is aptitudes and skills for the role. So there's over 30 aptitudes and skills. And so in these, you decide what is really important to your organization and to the role. Um, and, And then you design questions around those, being able to assess the candidate on the specific aptitudes and the specific skills. I can't tell you how, many businesses, the majority of businesses, the significant majority of businesses do not test the skills of the employees. Um, it's like if, and I, this is something I have just always, maybe, maybe because before I became a mother, I was, um, an employer and you know, what matters saying it or doing it. So these candidates will tell you what you want to hear. 
but it doesn't matter if they say what you want to hear. They have to be able to do what you want them to do. So it's really important to design tests. I mean, there are plenty of free tests out there. If you need someone to be a whiz at 10 key or, or typing, then give them a free test. Like prove that they can, that they're, that they're proficient at typing. I mean, we had a candidate one time for a contracts manager, assistant contracts manager position who had some ridiculous, like 60 words a minute typing. Well, when she gave, we gave her a typing test. I mean, we let people take it twice. Um, she was at less than 40 words a minute. I mean, like that's a gross misstatement. And, you know, again, a lot of candidates, you know, just say what you, you know, think that they can fake it till they make it, or they can tell you what you want to hear. But again, you know, those are the one, two and three star people. Is that how you want to build your organization? Or do you want the five star candidate who can prove their aptitude and prove their skills to you? Yes, exactly. You know, it's kind of like going back to the interview questions. I always say, we need to know why we're asking a question. And if you're asking a question because it's on a top interview question list, cross it off your list. Like that's not a good why, but we do, there's, we don't always, depending on the role, we don't always do a lot of testing. We sometimes do for our clients and everything. It depends on what exactly what we're looking for, but we spent a lot of time developing interview guides that it's hard for the candidate to lie their way through. It's hard for them to uh, embellish their ability because of the question, the way we're asking the questions. And sometimes the question that we ask, the answer that they think we're looking for is not necessarily what we're testing. You know, yeah. we are testing something else. It's just the question that we're using to uncover what we're testing. So they might be like, yeah, I'm acing this. I have an example like that matches that exactly. And you're like, okay, that, that is a great example. But I was actually looking for what is your strategic thought process or something like that where, or how do you communicate to someone a really complicated situation and, and stuff like that, where I don't ask, like, explain to me a complicated situation that you walked a client through. Like, you know, so it's, yeah, you really have to, whether it's through, I think the actual testing, testing or through another method, the candidate needs to prove their ability. You cannot just right. take their word. Cause like you said, the candidates want a job. They're going to tell you what they think you want to hear in order to be hired. Yeah. And you know, if, if can I throw one more thing in here? Yes, um, definitely. I, I often find, um, that maybe people, maybe it's out of desperation. Maybe it's because, you know, they don't embrace, um, the recruitment process as, as a hiring manager. But, um, I find that, interviewers often talk too much and yes. they, you know, they, they try to lead what they're looking for in an answer from the candidate. And as an interviewer, what you should be doing is you should be asking the question and writing down their answer and keeping your mouth shut. Shut up. That's what I tell my clients all the time. And, and you are in control of the interview as the hiring manager, you're in control of the interview. So silence will um, be the truth serum that you need. So if you ask a question and you know, if you're designing the right questions and you're being very specific, they haven't heard these questions before, it's going to take a candidate, you know, maybe a few seconds to kind of like think about it and, 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 and answer correctly. And I'm fine with that. Like uh, take some time, think about it. I want an honest answer. Um, but, but that awkward silence, let it be. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. 
if you're okay with the awkward silence, the candidate won't be okay with it. And then they'll finally answer. Um, so let that awkward silence be like, you know, your, your superpower in an interview and don't try to lead candidates and, and like be okay with the awkward silence if they're struggling yes. to answer a question and just give them time. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. I remember back when I first started interviewing people in corporate, I was horrible about that. And I would catch myself all the time. I'd, I'd tell them what the question was. And then I'd kind of start giving up help and support. And finally I was just like, what am I doing? I'm like, it's the process. Like you're leading the witness. I don't want to lead the witness to the, to the <laughs> answer I need. I need to know, make sure they actually can give me a, a good answer. So that's why I train all my clients on. It's like when we're going through how to conduct interviews, it's you ask the question and then you close your mouth and you wait yes. for them to talk. You do not lead the witness. You do not give them help. You know, obviously if the candidate asks something, can you repeat that? Or, you know, you have to remember the candidate doesn't know the question. So you might throw them off and they're nervous. So they might ask you to repeat something. That's um, totally cool. Or to clarify what you mean in a little part of the question. And that's fine. But yes, for the most part, unless they're asking because they need something more, don't, don't give them. And also sometimes I look at it as, what do they ask when they ask for more about it? Is it that they, are they asking a question that shows that they really don't understand the topic? Because I had that with a, one of our recruiting clients a while ago that we were asking about their experience with something in particular. And I had people that asked me, what do you mean by that? And that was a, that was a red flag that you don't actually have experience with this. So I, I rephrased it or I helped them. Ex I explained what that was that I was looking for, what that topic was. And then I was able to then use that additional part of their answer to be like, do, well, do they actually know? Like, let's, let's test this out because they didn't know the term, which is a pretty common term if you've done it before. Mm -hmm. But give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that some companies call things very wacky. Um, but then going through that, it's like, okay, if you don't know the term, you probably don't have the experience. Yeah, exactly right. And you, congratulations, you filtered out another one, two and three star candidate and boom, that makes yes. it so much easier. Awesome. All right, Danielle, I know we need to start wrapping up and everything here, but I do have like one more question before we get to the, my final uh, wrap up questions. As I know from looking at all your stuff before, there's a question that you proposed that I'm like, Ooh, I really want to know the answer to this. So what valuable lesson can entrepreneurs learn from Buffalo? Oh, okay. So, so what you can learn from a Buffalo is that, um, you know, you've got to just charge into it. So oftentimes, you know, in the prairie, um, when the storm is starting to come over, over the, the, over the horizon, cows tend to like try to walk away from it. And I mean, have you seen a cow run fast? I mean, you know, so it, it's, it's almost like they're, they're prolonging the pain that's about to hit them. Um, but when a buffalo sees that storm coming, they're like, all right, I got this. And they charge right through it and they get through it so much faster by charging through it versus, you know, trying to outrun or outgraze it like, like it. And so, you know, as a business owner, you, you've got to go all in on your hiring. And if you go all in on your hiring, if you charge into this, if you put a little bit of time 
um, in preparing thoughtful interview questions, really thinking about what you need for the role um, and not just copying and pasting what everyone else is doing when they're hiring the same role and position, then um, you will get that five-star candidate attracted to you and, and you will get to hire an employee who is your dream employee who will act like an owner and, and probably do the job hopefully better than you could. Right. Exactly. And if you're overwhelmed with the right coming up with the interview questions, hmm, there's people out there that can help you with that. So don't be afraid to use your resources and get help so you can ask the right questions and have the right hiring process. Right. And exactly, you know, like what you do is collaborating on interview guides. I mean, it, all of us are smarter than one of us. So I definitely also advocate like collaborating with uh, someone like Jamie and and really, you know, putting a thoughtful time and effort into crafting those interview guides. Yes, yes, they are super important. And it's where when we're creating hiring strategies, the interview guides is where we spend the most time. So yeah. and it drives me crazy because a lot of people, as you mentioned, just walk into an interview and they wing it or they go to Google and come up with questions and they're like, oh, this is so simple. 30 seconds, I got all my questions. And it we really spend so much time there when we're working with clients. It is that important and you really need to put a lot of effort into it. And if you don't have the time and patience to put the effort into it, find someone who will help you do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, be a buffalo about it. Just charge into it and get it done. But yeah, no, that's exactly it. Because, you know, for for our roles, I mean, I, I just print out like a stack of interview guides depending upon the role and they're on a shelf. And when it's time to interview a candidate for a role, I grab that interview guide. Like it's good to go. Like I'm already ready, like mm -hmm. bring it on. Um, and it, those interview guides are just, I mean, they're that will make that will that's one of the big make or breaks um, for sure to to getting the right candidate and filtering out the average and ho hum candidates. Yes, exactly. All right, Danielle, we need to start wrapping up. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So, um, you know, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. So I'm just Danielle Mulvey, M-U-L-V as in Victor, E-Y on LinkedIn. And um, if you want a little bit more um, understanding about the five-star employee rating system, then just go to fivestaremployees.com. And that's just the number fivestaremployees.com. All right. And of course, all those links and everything will be in the show notes. All right, Danielle, last question that I love to ask everybody. We've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal or professional lives. So think of a leader or manager that stood out to you and share with us one thing about them. Um, so I am going to, um, I've, I've been so fortunate um, and having great, great leaders and managers. So, but I've also had some that were not so great that also proved to be great, um, lessons there. But, um, you know, I think back to, uh, when I worked one summer for the vice chancellor, uh, for finance at Vanderbilt university. And, um, she, uh, you know, I was just in awe of her and, but she really took the time, um, every Friday to come out of her office and sit with me in my cubicle and um, touch base and do a little bit of a one-on-one -on -one and and really just kind of you know provide um, an opportunity to listen and to provide guidance and our relationship continued on. We would get together for dinner uh, even after I graduated. I was still in in Nashville and set and uh, I just 
that is something that I've always just tried to take into into my business as well is 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 taking the time, going to my employees, sitting with them. Now some of them are on Zoom, so it's scheduling that Zoom. But you know, just just taking that time for that one-on-one is is so critical um, and just that connection. It, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It should happen more than once a quarter. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, that time is, it's important to spend the time with each one of your employees. I know when I was an early manager, I overlooked it. And then after coming back from one of my maternity leaves, I'm like, all right, this is important. I'm going to do it. I'm going to dedicate the time. And the connection I had with my team like grew exponentially from that point in time. It, it really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you. Have a great day. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.